Hello, everyone, and welcome to In Process with Redmond Presbyterian Church. I am Austin Ashenbrenner, the pastor here, and also your host today. I'm grateful for this chance to delve into the process of learning more about our community, places of connection, and most of all, what God is doing through all of those things. This is a moment in our collective story where we are learning and relearning about what it means to live in connection with our neighbors and those in our community more broadly. We genuinely want to know how to follow God in our local places, but we seem to have forgotten what that looks like. Our hope here in this weekly podcast is to listen together to the stories of our congregation and our community partners, to hear examples of belonging, examples of community building, and to ask together where God is calling us to join in the work of making all things new. This podcast will follow lots of different threads and serve whatever need arises for our local congregation here in Redmond, Washington. But we hope everyone, whether you join us regularly for worship or are just popping in to join us for this conversation, feels welcomed and included in this journey of learning and growing together. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, our second podcast here with Austin and... Austin. Yeah, we're both here. Uh, You know what I learned from our previous podcast to this one? What did you learn? How to actually make the microphone record our voices and not the computer. So hopefully this episode sounds a little bit better, that you can uh, hear us more clearly, that... uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're learning and growing. We're in process. That, that was not intended, I, I, I promise. Uh, there will be more cheesy jokes to follow, but that was not an intended one. Uh, anyway, it is good to be back together. Uh, thank you all again for joining us uh, this week. Um, we're going to do something a little different. Um, we're sitting here looking into uh, the fall and kind of what's to come, but I want us to look backwards a little bit uh, at a sermon series that we did this past spring into kind of June, which was we looked at the book of Jeremiah, bum, 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 this Old Testament prophet that quite frankly uh, is not easy to read and full of language about judgment and exile and and sin and repentance. Uh, But we looked at it, and I think it's relevant to this ongoing conversation because uh, the book of Jeremiah really is about, at its core, um, change. That's maybe a little overly simplified, but the people of Israel are, uh, because of their own actions and inactions, are... um, are being led into exile. Uh, they're, they're given the opportunity to repent and turn around and follow God, care for the widow and the orphan and the stranger and the immigrant in their midst, but they don't. And so exile comes to them 70 years and then they're brought back from exile. And there's always this message of God's hope and God's future for these people that, that God will lead them uh, into this, this place of healing and restoration where... Um, they will come back to God's side and and to a a way of life where they care for one another and for the vulnerable amongst them. Um, So why are we talking about all of this here in the fall? Because I think uh, it it sheds some light on 
the world that that you and I, that all of us are stepping into these days, which is things of old uh, are are falling away. Uh, again, we we talked a little bit of last week about life kind of post pandemic and how things around us are changing. Uh, some for the good, some seems like a harder change or, or, or there's more grief or loss associated with some changes. Uh, but nonetheless, God is leading us into a future that maybe we can't quite glimpse what it looks like yet. Um, and so our our path is to to pay attention to that. So today we get to, to revisit Jeremiah to talk about some of the things that we've learned this past spring that we've continued to reflect on this summer. Uh, that we're hopeful for as as we look ahead. But before we get to all of that, I, I got ahead of myself a little bit. Um, Austin, our question that, that we like to start with is, uh, tell me about a place that you're enjoying right now, so a place that can be anything from a particular location to uh, a person that you're enjoying being around. But we like to pay attention to place because we believe that uh, God is showing up in the specific places of our lives. So any places that you're enjoying these days, this yeah. week? Yeah, I'm thinking about my back porch, Ooh. which has um, sort of latticework around it, so it's sort of enclosed. It's got a roof over it. You can sit there even when it's raining. Thank God. Which it did a lot this past <laughs> year, this past yeah. spring and summer. So every time I think the sun might stick around a little bit, I run out there with a book and a blanket and a coffee, and, and even when it rains, it's, I'm still I'm still cozy. So, nice. Yeah, so I've been, a... been reading my novels out there a lot. Ooh, good place. Mm-hmm. We'll have, How about to, you? we'll have to add Austin's reading list uh, to, oh, yes, to, the, to the podcast notes. New episode. There you go. Uh, a place I've been enjoying, um, I, I've really been spending a lot of time this past summer in my kitchen, and I've, I love it. Um, I, I, as, as you may have heard, uh, I bake bread occasionally. Um, I love to bake bread. It's a thing I do. It's a hobby. I've been doing it now for uh, a number of years, uh, all kinds of different bread. And this summer, I really uh, spent some time experimenting and, and making some new recipes. And I, I made a lot of bread. Um, I make more bread than I can eat. So I get to give it away to people, which is fun too. Yeah, no I, complaints here. I appreciate that. And uh, same, my neighbors don't get mad at me when I show up at their door with the uh, warm bread. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying logging some hours in my kitchen and finding finding that to be uh a restful and restorative place. So good stuff. Okay. Um, if you're there at home and you want to, uh, I guess, open your Bible to the book of Jeremiah, there's really nowhere in particular we're going to look at. So uh, try to follow along with us if you want to. <laughs> um, so uh, Austin, as, as I alluded to a minute ago, we know Jeremiah is, uh, it's a tough read, right? It's a book uh Many people would look at and go, see, this is why I don't like the Old Testament. This is this is the language of sorrow and judgment uh, I'm not a fan of. Um, but what about it has been meaningful or helpful for you in these past few months? I, I, I'm convicted, I'm convinced that it's a book we need to pay attention to. We can't just... Uh, set it aside easily because we don't like it. Like what? What has been uh, helpful for you in, in in these months? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and say the past few years because I mm. think Jeremiah is the the perfect pandemic book. Yeah. Um, I've never I've never been so into it as I as I was before that because Jeremiah feels apocalyptic. Hmm. And when I think of Jeremiah, I think of like that day when I was in in the Bay Area and in San Francisco and 
the only place we could go early on in the pandemic was outside the pandemic. Um, and then the, the smoke from the forest fires got so bad, we couldn't oh. even go outside. Wow. And then it was too hot. Nobody has AC. You can't keep the windows open. We have, like, rolled up wet towels at the doors. And then there was a day where the sun never rose <laughs> because the, the smoke got too high in the atmosphere. It just stayed orange all day. I remember those days, like, if there was moments of levity, it was like, okay, this bad sci-fi movie can be over now. Like It, it, was, it, really... it was like, and then the Fire Nation attacked. Yeah, it was exactly. Like... It was just too Praise much. Praise God for memes. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's that's the image in my head when I think of, why was Jeremiah helpful for now? Because, yeah. like, if Jeremiah references what feels like the end of the world, I think we've all tasted a little bit of, of what that feels like when everything um, feels like the structures that we know are, are crumbling apart and our days have no rhythm and we're not sure what to do next or how to find community in ways that we used to. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, I think Jeremiah is... It is one of those books that tells us um, whatever we experience, there's there is parallel experiences in scripture. There's like room for that emotion. There's room for that despair. Is the world ending? Um, and it's it's happened before. So that's one of those those reasons that I think Jeremiah offers us hope because we are we can locate ourselves in in the the grand tradition and the grand narrative. Um, you know the the other thing that I found really, really meaningful. Um, you know, in Jeremiah, we get the, the exile, pre-exile and, and then during. So um, Jeremiah is telling the nation, you're going to go into exile. That's going to happen. And that's actually something that like God is behind. Um, whereas the other prophets are saying, no, we won't, God won't let anything bad happen to us. Right. Uh, don't worry. Oh, and if, 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 we do get conquered. Don't worry. It'll don't get comfortable. It'll only be a few years, and then and then God will save us again. Um, so knowing that, like, when the nation gets to a point where God isn't doing the good thing that all the false prophets want God to do, um, when they have no idea how to process what's going on in their lives, Jeremiah is the one that says, "Don't worry. God is still in control of all of this, even though you have no idea what's going on and what's going to come next. Um, God is in control." So, you know, I, I struggle with, like, can God cause harm? Is God behind this? Can God, like, will suffering? And in my mind, that's a, a conversation for, for another time. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the exile and I'm saying, thank God that someone is telling us that God is still in control of all of this beep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Jeremiah doesn't give platitudes are easy answers. Like I, I love when you say like God is in control, like it's not, Hey everybody, everything's fine. God is in control. It's no, everything is not fine. It's, and it might get worse. Um, and yet, you know, it's always that. And yet, and I think that's, um, I, I appreciate Jeremiah's lack of easy answers because mm-hmm. I, you know, I think we live through that. We live through the end of easy answers, right? <laughs> we live through, uh, well, you referenced the pandemic and those moments where it felt like the world was ending. We all live through personal examples of, mm-hmm. of losing loved ones or, or watching relationships end, and, and, and to, to speak easy answers into those situations just is almost doubly painful. And so, um, yeah, to have Jeremiah say, no, this is the, this is real, um, and yet God is here in the midst of it is is profound. I like that. Um, How about you? What's the, hmm. the number one thing you're taking away? Who? I, I don't I mean, 
I, I'll say this. I was surprised as we walked through Jeremiah week after week. Like <laughs> you and I sat down and kind of mapped out the sermon series. And, and so I, you know, we chose passages with some intentionality. But um, as we walked through the book, I was surprised at how many different times I was struck by, oh, I needed to hear that or that that was important. And I think one that stuck out for me was um, kind of early on in, in the series, the and I forget chapter and verse off the top of my head, but uh, it's it's the place where Jeremiah is is introducing the people of Israel to language about God that is uh, what we talked about in church was undomesticated language about who God is. That God is not your buddy or or, or uh, someone who um, you can take advantage. You know that, that that God is not that God doesn't operate in in ways that that we define or in ways that we manipulate, uh, but that God is bigger than us, that God is a God who desires justice and healing and, and shalom and, and will work towards those things with us or, or in spite of us, you know, just all of that for me is at times you can say, well, that's not great. Like people would, would want, you know, the, the God that they can fully understand and, and comprehend. Um, but for me, there's just something very freeing about that reminder that um, just when I think, you know, I've, I've figured out who God is and how God acts and how God should act in this situation or this one, uh, that reminder that, um, that the God of the universe is far bigger than I can understand or comprehend. And then back to what you said, and that God is good. And, and um, yeah, it's that whole line, the witch in the wardrobe thing, right? That, yeah, that's that, where my mind was yeah, going. He's Aslan, not a tame lion. Yeah, Aslan is not safe. No one said anything about safe, but he's good. Um, yeah, it's that reminder. But, um, but yeah, I need that, that, you know, I need to be reminded of that. Because, you know, I've, I've grown up in the church. I'm a pastor. I've, so I've, I've been around church all the time. And so it's easy for me, I think at times to, to fall into that comfortable place of like, this is what it looks like. Um, I need to be woken, awoken from that or shaken out of that occasionally. And so Jeremiah was a, a helpful reminder. Well, and if the, the, the dark and depressing and despairing things that are going on in our lives are things that we can't fully understand. Yeah. Like, the, the good news and the, the God who is bringing about restoration needs to be something that like we also can't understand so much more. Right. I think that's a hopeful thing. Yeah. I like that. So let's think broad, you know, we're thinking about this book. Like I said, we're not going to go chapter by chapter. We're really just kind of doing a, we're revisiting that series and, and kind of what we learned. Um, and as I mentioned, kind of in, in the setup, we're thinking broadly about ideas of, of change, right? Movement from what was, what we knew to what will be, to what God is leading us towards. And, and, you know, my mind, when we were talking about this way back in the spring, it was like the, the connection point felt like, yeah, as we emerge from the pandemic, we are stepping into a world that is, is unknown to us. We're seeing things, uh, through the pandemic fall away that we didn't anticipate things like, um, you know, just a, a lot of things, uh, the ways that we communicate, the ways that we gather, the ways that we understand roles in our society and, and, you know, uh, a lot of upheaval. So as we think about that, as we think about that larger theme of, of the old falling away, God leading us towards something new, um, 
What comes to mind for you, specifically as we think about the church and, and our, our role as, as Christians, as disciples, but, you know, you can run with it too outside of that. I, what, what are you thinking about? Yeah, this might be a sort of halfway answered question. Sure. Um, but something I've been coming back to, and, and like you said, when you were putting together your Jeremiah sermons, you ended up writing the sermon that you needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so I think one of one of the sermons that I gave, I was working out my understanding of God being angry. Hmm. Um, that's not something I grew up being comfortable with. Um, anger as an emotion is not something I grew up being comfortable with. And I think as a culture, we we don't respect anger as a, a, a valid, um, I don't know if I want to say emotion, as a, a, a productive, hmm. as a productive force. Um, it's often, and in church, we often think it's scary. You know, Ooh, and, anger and, is... And that's something that's uncontrollable. Anger yeah. anger is something almost like fire. Like, oh, don't touch it. You're going to get burned. And right. if we're thinking about God is out of our control and our circumstances are out of our control, I think anger sort of has a parallel to that. Um, and it's also something we see as, like, disrespecting anger is a way to dismiss people who have less power. Hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of stereotypes about... Um, angry women and like, oh, well, maybe I could listen to you if you weren't so angry um, or come back to me when when you're not so angry. Or um, we also have like angry black women stereotypes. Um, And so I think distrusting anger has been something that is used to diminish people who ought to be angry about the way things are going. That's well said, yeah. And I've always struggled to understand God's anger as valid, you know, because I would think about like, oh, how could God be be mad at me? That doesn't feel loving. Um, but thinking more communally and, and nationally, um, like like Jeremiah is, like God is angry at the nation. And the way that I see God's anger being part and parcel of God's compassion is when I think about the people that God is angry for. Like we, we, we hear in Jeremiah... God is wanting to restore justice and healing. God is angry at the nation for not caring for those who are vulnerable. Um, that people are being taken advantage of the um, the dispossessed, the women, the widow, the orphan, the stranger. Those are the people that are not being taken care of. And because God is compassionate for those people, um, God has to be a God who's angry. And so that's something that I've, I've been personally trying to... Um, shift my thinking more and more that like I don't want to be uncomfortable with God's anger because I'm scared that someone might be mad at me. Uh, We don't like people being mad at us, but I want to think how can I see God's anger as good news because I am aligning myself with the folks that need God to be angry because the way society is, is crushing them. Yeah. Um, And if the God we worship wasn't angry about, you know, somebody who was impoverished or, or pushed aside or, held down then what would that say about a what would that say about god and what would that say about us right like what i agree with you i that is such a helpful reframe of anger anger Mm -hmm. for those that that yeah that we ought to love well and so when you say looking at the world falling away and what are the new things that are coming i think one of the things i want to pay attention to is um just anger Hmm. um righteous anger and seeing anger as a productive force for change, not something you need to deal with before you come back and can be reasonable. Yeah. Um, 
and what is it? Because I, I think I have a lot of anger too that I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate into my my life spiritually and and in and, and productive ways. Um, so I'm I want to I want to channel that into something that aligns with what God is up to, rather than just say, oh, I need to go for another run because I got to get this anger out. Work it out. Yeah, exactly. That's good. I, I just think that's that's super important for us to pay attention to those kinds of things. Like what is in this process of change? What, yeah, how, how is new understandings of who God is and how God loves and, and works toward our healing uh, helpful? And I think, yeah, that's that anger one is important for precisely the reasons you named because so often we like to sidestep anger or or smush it, you know, say, Oh yeah, don't, don't get so angry, you know, or, or calm down. Um, one of the things we've been talking about with our, our elders here at church, one of the things that I keep thinking about is a little less specific than what you were describing, but, but for me kind of captures the, the larger picture of kind of where the church is at. There's this, um, there's this picture, you can actually Google it, um, of a bridge, I believe it's in Honduras that, um, was built like to be super duper strong, uh, to withstand storms of, of any magnitude. And so I think it was like back in the late nineties, a storm, a tropical storm rolls through Central America and knocks down bridge after bridge after bridge. But this bridge still stands today. Um, but the storm was so powerful, it rerouted the river underneath the bridge. And so today there's just this section of bridge standing all alone and all the roads that led up to it washed away. And the river now sits like off to the right, not flowing underneath the bridge. And so the bridge looks kind of silly, just standing there all by itself. And, and we talked about it uh, around the table as this metaphor for um, at times in the church today, it can feel like we didn't move like we were, we're still doing what we're, we've been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, but the river moved like the river shifted. And so like when we look around our community at, at, you know, new families moving to town, but they're not coming to church or, uh, you know, we want to interact with our neighbors, but we don't know how we talked a little bit about that last time. Um, it, it, it captures for me this, this, this idea that Jeremiah, talks about, you know, the people moving from, from what was known to this unknown future. And, and I, I get that I'm stretching the, the limits a little bit of making that connection because um, theirs was a bit more punitive, right? The things they did versus this idea that, that the culture around us has shifted. But in the end, I think we still end up in that same place of, okay, God is leading us towards some some kind of restoration and we don't know what that looks like. And I think um, that that question of how do we learn to live in that newness or in that unknowingness? And and I think Jeremiah points out some of that stuff and, and you brought it up a little bit ago that um, that we don't know what's ahead, but we do know some important things about how to walk forward, right? That, that God is still with us in the midst of that, that God desires um, a, a kind of togetherness that, that looks out for uh, everyone, not just making sure I get across the bridge or that I, you know, figure out what comes next, but that, that God wants a, a world, a, a, a people who are, looking out for the needs of uh, the vulnerable and those around us. And so um, 
I don't know that 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 image sticks out in my mind when I think about what we talked about with Jeremiah this past spring and and how do we look around at, at what's new and what's shifting and how the ground is changing and not blame each other or get mad that you know what once was like we could sit here and just shake our finger at the river and be like you should go back over here but like you know that won't be super helpful so how do we uh... I think that's a great metaphor because in, in one sense the bridge is still exactly the same as what it was but in another sense it's not being a bridge anymore right it's not doing what it was made to do um, and so there's there's change that's necessary mm-hmm. in order to keep being the bridge that it was yeah. um, it has to be a new bridge yeah. always never new bridge yeah. um, so, but that's a great image yeah I like it so, so talk about that change I mean that's kind of our, our last question today is what is it that we're hopeful for as we think about this church, Redmond Presbyterian Church, but also the the broader church. What do what do we hope and and think about uh, that the church might learn from Jeremiah's words and, and and this call to to step into that change? Yeah, I think that's still a question that I'm trying to answer: is yeah. what what the change needs to be. Um, I think we've experienced a little bit more of the the tearing down than the building up. And so I think the the building up is on the horizon and is something we should be actively wondering about. Um, I think I'm still stuck in the place of how to live well in exile. Um, The beginning of Jeremiah 29. This is where my mind goes as you're picturing the bridge. Um, You know, the, the false prophets that Jeremiah talks about are are saying that once once the, the community is captured and they're living in Babylon in exile, they're like, don't worry, God will bring us home in like two years. Don't get comfortable. Um, and Jeremiah that's is right. saying, that's not a word from God. You're going to be here for 70 years at least. Most of you will die here. Um, but then he sort of gives them a playbook for how to live well in exile. He says, plant gardens, build houses, live in them, um, build families, have kids. So it's like giving us a, a roadmap for like these things are still beautiful and valuable, even though life isn't looking the way you expected it to. Um, and then, and then Jeremiah says, uh, "Pray for the work, work toward the work and pray toward the welfare of the city in which you live." So like this is the people who captured you and brought you into exile, and instead of hating them as as a sense of national pride, Jeremiah says, "Work for their welfare." Because in their welfare is actually your welfare. Yep. And so, like, this is a new thought I'm just having as I'm talking. Like, maybe they're learning how to love the stranger by by being being yeah, strangers so. again. Right. Um, and so I think that's that's more of where I'm at is how to find joy and, and honor grief mm-hmm. all at the same time. And um, to be expectant of where we can work toward the building up when it comes but at least for me, I'm not quite in a place of seeing the, the, yeah. the building up or the new thing yet. Yeah. But I am enjoying the, the gardening and the, right. the getting settled. And... But we continue to look for it. I was thinking of when you said that idea of, of as we learn to be the stranger, like, have, I don't know if you have done this recently, but if you ever like visit another church or, or go to a community meeting or something like any, we don't often enter places where we are the visitor or, or the guest too often. Um, but man, you learn so much in those moments, right? About like, oh, 
this is what it's like to stand awkwardly and in, in, on the wall and have no one greet me or, oh, this is what it's like to have people, you know, surround you when you come into a new place. And that's super anecdotal, but I think it, yeah, we have this opportunity in this moment to learn, like you said, how to be the stranger, how to, to be in those vulnerable places. I think about that a lot. Like, um, one of the things I'm hopeful for is as we enter into this place of unknowing and, and saying we have a lot to learn from each other, from God, from our neighbors is, is something I think you talked about last week, this idea that, that we belong to each other. It's the idea that for me, and I think this relates to your Jeremiah 29 notion of work for the good of the city in which you you know dwell. It's this idea that I think for so long, and I'll own this too, that, that we as Christians have had the, the framework of we are here to, to bring health and wholeness and help to, to those outside of the church that, that need our help. And I think Jeremiah helps me to see like, when I think about those in our community who are, are left out or left behind or, or marginalized, um, that my well-being is wrapped up in their health, right? Like that their their healing is actually what will lead to my flourishing, my you know my experiencing uh, God's fullness in, in my life, and um, and how I need them, you know, just just as hopefully they they need they need me or they need us, and. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying that well, but it, it, it makes me think about um, what our, our, our position, our posture in the community that, again, it's not as um, saviors, but as... as um, members. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Partners, members. Um, yeah. So. Not a full member unless they're a full member, too. Right. There you go. Well, have we... Uh, completely unpacked all of the mysteries of the book of Jeremiah? No. Probably not. Still a little ways to go. Uh, Can we do a part two? Maybe. Because I've been thinking a lot about land. Oh, okay. There you go. Land and uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, farming and and, uh, agricultural metaphors in in Jeremiah. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Just a a short hook as I'm preparing for a sermon in in two weeks. Yeah. Um, The word land appears more in the book of Jeremiah than any other book in the Bible by a long shot. I like it. Genesis and Deuteronomy are a a distant second and third. So that is a good tease. Yeah. Maybe we do need to to follow that. We read it. Follow that thread. I like it. Well, um, again, everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, I didn't prepare you for this Austin, but you want to have the final word? Tell us, say goodbye for us. I do want to have the final word. Go for it. Once again, thank you for listening to our crooked noses. Um, sorry if you have to edit that out. You put me on the spot. It's good. You all belong to us. Amen.